dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. Father Michael here. Today's episode is Mother Natalia's topic. Uh, she's going to tell a couple stories um, that explain some healing from scrupulosity that she has recently received. Uh, one while hiking a 14er, one while camping with Sister Anufria in Allegheny National Park, and how uh, the fear of death, in, in a sense, uh, taught her a little more about who Jesus is, how much he loves her, etc. We also go into uh, some reflections upon the purpose of the holy mysteries, of the holy sacraments, that these are gifts from God, and yet the devil tries to convince us um, that they can be used as a weapon by God or as the church or by the priest. Especially we get into some details about the sacrament of confession and how um, the beauty of that sacrament, that holy mystery, but also how um, whether the priest or us um, or bad teachers, bad confessors can, uh, can listen to the devil and convince us that it is something it is not. If you are a hashtag banter hater, uh, go ahead and skip ahead 10 minutes and 20 seconds after the end of this recording. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hi, Father Michael. Hello, Mother. Um, it's good to see you on a screen. It was better to see you in person. I know. I know. I was, I was, yesterday I was buying, well, I almost did. I didn't have the exact date. So I was about to buy plane tickets to fly somewhere near you. <sighs> and I was looking at all the little layovers, like, are any of the layovers through Christ the Bridegroom Monastery? <laughs> I like, not, not like through land, Cleveland, through Christ the Bridegroom land Monastery. Land <laughs> in a field, <laughs> land in a field. And we'd take on a few Amish and then we'd take back off again. But not, alas, none of them. I think probably. But, it's probably cheaper to fly into Cleveland than into another place. And so I probably know, you have to fly into Cleveland and then I have to drive you um, both ways. <laughs> For oh, the sake of poverty, say, you know. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, it's one of those things where, actually, that would be awesome. We should, we should actually look into that. I'm because fine. I've done it before. If I'm there for other events and I have money, which I don't really right now, I would rent a car because it's it's cheaper. But if I, you know, I, let me look up prices because I could maybe even rent a car. Although it'd be better if you pick me up because we have longer together. Then you can mm-hmm. get a room at the a room in the annex of the seminary or something like that. Mm-hmm. Father Joel's old room. Yeah, anyway, I got to we'll I got to hang out up. with him on home visit, and it was so nice. Oh, I really miss him and Leslie. Yes. Father Joel Barstad, you guys, you guys know him from our our uh, crowning podcasts. Yeah, he's just amazing. I don't know if he, I've ever told he also you this, just mother. uses so many words that I don't know the meaning of. <laughs> <laughs> You're humble enough to ask. I just nod and smile. Uh, I mostly oh, nodded yes. and smiled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I could still get the gist of what he was saying in the context, and so I was like, it's probably fine. That's that's sweet it's that funny. you think I'm humble. <laughs> the two words that came to mind when you said big words were neither of them were in English. And both one of them was Church Slavonic, which our Church Slavonic speaking listeners will know this one, but Preoshevchenishem is one word. I believe it's from the Ambon prayer, and I totally forget what it means. <laughs> but it's 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 from the Ambon prayer at the end. So literally in seminary, Father we Deacon learned. Jonathan can tell just, you. He, he will probably tell us exactly. But it's, it's Preoshevchenishem. And I believe it's in the Ambon prayer and I forget what it means, but we were taught when I was in seminary, they stopped doing this, but I'm old. Um, we learned as Father Jack would say, just to make all the noises for church Slavonic. So <laughs> our professor our professor would like explain a word, what it means every once in a while, but the entire goal of the class was to be able to chant the divine liturgy in church Slavonic. That was mm-hmm. the whole point. So we learned how to make all the noises and we learned how to do it though by by reading the Cyrillic. So it was actually a really, really fun class. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you, I take that back. The, it was really fun to learn these things because we learned a different alphabet. We learned how to pronounce the church Slavonic that was of course still so important for our church. I had a brainstorm about this the other day, but the funny thing is, and God rest his soul, our professor is now dead again because I'm old, but the... Uh, the class would just get, my ADHD would get so overwhelming in this class because literally it was just looking at a book and saying the saying the words and then having him correct our pronunciation. And it was just mind-numbingly boring for someone with ADHD. So <laughs> he, this, he was an old man at the time and he had, 
he had taught this class forever and he had lived his whole life as a priest. He was a Monsignor, all these things. So so if I got really, really bored, we was only like four of us in class. If I got really, really bored, I would just, I'd know to like ask him a question about his ministry or ask him a question about his old, old teaching days. And then he would just tell stories for like the entire <laughs> And I, I hate to like, that sounds so manipulative now that I say it out loud. But some days I was like, I just can't do this. And then I was like, so you served in McKee's Rocks for 10 years. Like, what did the city look the same back then? And oh, Michael, it did not. It did go on and on and on. Whew, okay, I'd much rather hear stories. You're so funny. So. Um, I'm not even a little bit surprised. And, and troubled. Um, yes. Did you, um, do you feel like you can competently celebrate a liturgy in Church Slavonic now? I would need a couple days of refresher. Uh-huh. But yes, I, I think it, I think it's kind of like riding a bike. I, th- I think I could do it. The only, the problem is, is that I don't. I would need one of those full days would just be forgetting the alphabet back in my mind because the Cyrillic alphabet is mm-hmm. is I learned I learned Slavonic before I learned the Greek, and so they're just so similar. The yeah. alphabets, the Greek mm-hmm. and the Cyrillic alphabet, are so similar that I would need to like jettison the Greek from my mind and remind myself of the Slavonic and how mm-hmm. to make the noises and then and then do like a quick run through. It would be slow. It'd be very slow. It would if anybody actually knew that, knew the liturgy, it would be trouble. So I've often said, I would love to have a full Slavonic liturgy at my parish here just once, you know, and I, but I, I, I would not, I think I have a cantor, Steve Petak, who can do it. He can oh, do yeah, it, absolutely. the cantoring. But, um, but I, all, I would want to bring in someone like Father Jack Custer or Father Ed Zimbala, someone who I know knows the liturgy like the back of their hand and could do it a lot better than me because it would just be, me trying to do it would be distracting. You should at least, do you ever do the Pascha, the gospel? In Slavonic? Nope. Do you do multiple I've been pretty at bad all? about that, actually. I don't. When I do it myself, when Father mm-hmm. Nathan was here, we did, we did, I think three or four. When Father, Father, Father um, um when Father Dennis and Father Cyril, Father Dennis Rubiak and Father Cyril Pinchak celebrated Pascha here one year, and they did probably like six languages. Um, one of them sounded like. I mean, because it's Father Father Dennis obviously has like he can do the Slavonic very well. Mm. Um, so Father Dennis pretty much did like the English, the Slavonic, probably the Greek or the I don't know. But and then Father uh, Father Cyril, you know, speaks Italian and he did all of that. He did like Italian and Spanish and French, and he did one that sounded like um, Klingon. Do you think that was maybe? Do you think that would have been? Hungarian? What language sounds like Klingon? I don't know. Anyways. What, is, what does Klingon sound like? I don't know. Just move on. Um, I'm going to do it in Elvish, Pig Latin, Spanglish, <laughs> English. <laughs> it won't even be Spanish. It'll be Spanglish. I'll just throw in an English word every once in a while. And then like radio DJs here in LA, like radio DJs are hilarious. If you listen to like pop stations, because it is total Spanglish. They switch back and forth between English and Spanish like it's nothing. And I love oh, it. Yeah. I love it because I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to learn Spanish and I love the fact that they just assume that the majority of listeners to pop radio in LA speak both languages or at least enough of both languages to get it. Um, <laughs> there, we, there's this YouTube video that's really funny um, that is, anyways, part of the video, they're joking about... Um, people not wanting to learn new languages. Uh, so the guy says, um, it says, learn a new language. And he says, and expose my weaknesses? No way, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I have friends here in town that this was like three years ago now. It was pre-COVID. But um, we went out to a birthday party out in Joshua Tree and then it was, and then heading back into LA, only three of us stayed, and two of the three were primarily Spanish speakers. And so, literally, we would, we would, and neither of them were, were practicing Catholic. So, we like went to a museum, we went to all these things afterwards on the way back, and we'd be all chatting very nicely in English, and then they would just switch to Spanish and laugh mm-hmm. so hard, and then switch back to English. And I'd be there like, guys. 
come on. They're like, oh, we just we don't want we don't want you to know what we're saying, Father. So we we automatically switch in <laughs> switch into Spanish. I'm like, I feel like a child here. Mom and dad are like hiding I C E C R E A M from me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know one of the nuns? I'm starting to learn. Stop. Um, <laughs> one of the nuns. Speaking of ice cream, um, one of the nuns. Her cousin, uh, when he was a kid. His dad told him that when the ice cream truck was playing music, it meant they were out of ice cream. <laughs> and I don't think he realized. I love that so much. I Yeah, it's hysterical. <laughs> I don't think he realized the truth until he was like 12. Um, he was like out with his friends and they were like, oh, the ice cream truck. And he's like, yeah, too bad they don't have any ice cream. And they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, it's terribly sad and also very recently. funny. And I cannot remember it about somebody only realizing when they were in their like thirties. I mean, I I've done that that a few times where I've just remembered deceit from adults. <laughs> to put it strongly, <laughs> like as an adult, like my dad. I think I've shared this before. My dad's arm wrestling on at the Super Bowl. We'd always mm-hmm. arm wrestle during the Super Bowl for some reason. It was like family tradition, and he'd always let me get so close to winning. Like his arm would be like an inch <laughs> from the carpet. And then he'd beat me every single year. And I'm like, I'm getting stronger. And I was, I, I was like, oh my gosh. My dad was totally just letting me get, <laughs> make it look like I was getting close. But it, it like, you I, did it that took to me, me so when long. we arm wrestled. I got it from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and I fell for it only at first. And then I realized what you were doing because I looked at your face and I was like, you're not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> I should have better faked the uh, the effort. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it's funny that we're telling a bunch of stories because basically my episode is just, uh, I just want to tell a story. Um, two stories, though. I'll start with one, which is that uh, when I was on home visit, so I was on home visit last week, uh, which is where I got to see you for just a day, which was glorious. Um <laughs> glorious that I got to see you, not glorious that it was only a day. Um, and, <laughs> and we need Maddie, a 10 minute break after a day. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point. Um, so Maddie was on the home visit uh, with me. Like she came out for my home visit and she was there for the whole week. And there was a point when, I don't know if you even heard this happen, Father Michael, but you and I were like bickering in the front seat of the car. And then you were like, <laughs> you were like, Maddie, what do you think? And and Maddie was like, she was like, Mom, Dad, I don't want to get in the middle of it. <laughs> and it was really funny. Um, so anyways, Maddie and I hiked a 14er um, on Thursday, which was really, it was fun because, well, it was fun for a lot of reasons. But one fun thing is that I think it's the first time in many years that I've hiked a 14er on a non-fasting day. And so I got to pack mm. like beef jerky and chocolate and things like that, as opposed to I usually just do cliff bars and then like um, tuna fish and crackers for the top. Um, but we had like meat and cheese at the top and it's great. Uh, you were in Colorado. Did you bring a beer? Yes. That's a, okay. That's a yeah. big Colorado thing. I've had a beer at the top of every 14er. That I've hiked. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, this one we actually shared as um, because as as I get older, a beer at fourteen thousand feet, and then hiking down, I'm just like I, I don't want to hold. <laughs> especially because because when I drink beer, I don't like like. Anyways, I don't want to offend anyone, but I don't like shotgun it crappy beers no um oh, okay and so the kind of beers that i'm bringing up are like a left-hand milk stout or like um a higher percentage ipa or something like that and so um a whole one of those at the top is rough um after you've had a beer it's like a rolling rock has double meaning <laughs> <laughs> you go on back down again. that's really funny um i think <laughs> I don't know why I feel the need. I do this with Maddie too. I don't know why I feel the need to announce it when your joke is funny. Like I think the laughter <laughs> is enough. Um, anyways, so uh, at the top, so on the top of this one, we just um, I brought one beer for Maddie and I to share. But even like we were both so tired, and so we just 
thought that even half a beer was kind of a lot. Because um, <laughs> also a beer at 14,000 feet is different than a beer at sea level. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it just became a communal beer. And like people who came up, as long as I was very sure <laughs> that they looked over, like as long as they looked over 30, I was like, do you want a drink of our 14 or beer? <laughs> and, and one guy was like, eh, it's my birthday, might as well. <laughs> and um, so there were like two, other three, two or three other people who shared our beer, which was great. Um, uh so that was fun. Um, anyways, the point of this, I was thinking of you, Father Michael, because uh, the night before we hiked, Maddie and I only got two and a half hours of sleep. And um, it's one of the dumber things that I've done in life. Uh, uh, you were praying a vigil until three in the morning, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, We actually, so we were in Colorado Springs visiting my spiritual daughter and we played Settlers of Catan, but we couldn't, we couldn't start Settlers until the kids were in bed. And so we didn't get done with Settlers until like Mm -hmm. 830 and then drove back to Denver, got to Denver around 10 or 1030, got into our apartment for the first night and then decided to go for a walk because we hadn't gotten our 10,000 steps on Garmin <laughs> and then packed for the 14er and then finally got to bed at 1230 and then got up at three. Um, so we were tired. I was going to say that's my life, <laughs> but it's not my life because you guys did way too much preparation and walking and things other than just having a drink and a smoke with my friends until I realized it's four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, not your life. What is your life though? is this, and this is why I was thinking of you, because really stupid decision, we're very tired, and it turned out great. Like, everything was wonderful. <laughs> we we ran, we met this couple who recognized um, my voice, actually, from Pints with Aquinas while we were hiking, and we ended up hiking with them the whole time. They took us out to lunch after Really beautiful couple. Um, oh, good! You finally got your pints with Aquinas mug. Um, from since Maddie, you whined not from about Matt. It. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Um, the <laughs> at first it kind of sounded like you just call Matt Maddie. So, anyways, everything turned out wonderful, and I told Maddie, I was like, "This is the problem. Is I do a lot of dumb things." in life and a lot, like I make a lot of stupid decisions but then it turns out great and so I don't learn mm-hmm. my lesson and I'm like this is why Father Michael um, like he has the same problem he just does these stupid things and then it turns out wonderful and so he just doesn't learn his lesson um, so this this yeah. may finally be my, be my midlife crisis is well usually midlife crisis is like doing something absurdly fun that's way that you're way too old for but Maybe it'll be like realizing that Jesus is finally like, you know what? The consequence is incoming. Like, yeah, unlikely. <laughs> watch out. Um, That's true. Which Maddie said that. to me, she was like, I just don't want to be with you the time that you do learn your lesson. <laughs> um, so, which leads me to um, another story which listeners have asked to hear about because I've mentioned it a couple of times, which was um, my camping pustinia which was the singular most healing moment of my scrupulosity. Um, So I decided to share this story uh, in part as a, um, an answer to a mini topic from Jackson H, I think is the one who asked us to talk about scrupulosity as a mini topic, but congratulations Jackson H, because you're getting a full (laughs) topic for your mini topic. Um, We're not really like, expounding on everything about scrupulosity, but I want to share at least this one personal experience that was really healing for me. Um, Because this was an occasion in which I made a stupid decision, uh, more so out of ignorance than it wasn't like I knew it was a stupid decision going into it. I think that's the difference. Um, I know it's stupid to hike a 14 around two and a half hours of sleep. Um, And everything did turn out okay, but it was very close to not being okay. Uh, and I did learn a lesson from it, but the lesson I learned was about scrupulosity and not about not making stupid decisions. You would have been Saint Mother Natalia the Scrupulous. Um, if, if I it, died if that night, I would well. certainly not be canonized <laughs> a saint. <laughs> I need a, I need a lot, of, I need a lot more time and um, healing who, who before I'm canonized. Yeah, <laughs> who cussed a little? 
<laughs> Why would you say that on the podcast, Mother Michael? We'll edit that out. No, I'm just won't. thinking, like as you're as you're as you're suffering, you're like cursing and, and uh, Mother Nufria or Sister Nufria, like would have survived. And she'd be like, "Oh, she was so holy and she was giving her soul to God, but she also cussed a little." <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, so, so Sister Nufria and I decided that so both of us really like camping. We like being outdoors. Um, for my Pustinia, I will sometimes pitch a tent and um, camp instead of going to one of our Pustinia houses um, during the summertime. So Sister Nufria also likes to do this. So she was like, hey, what if we take a Pustinia um, in Allegheny National Forest, which is this place that she uh, really likes a lot. It's maybe like two and a half hours away from us. And she's like... We can backpack in. It's like a three-mile hike. Backpack in, just bring hammocks, and then um, just like hammock for our pustinia. Um, Almost die. <laughs> that part wasn't included in I know the, the story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so here's the part that was maybe stupid, but I still claim that it was ignorance. Sister Nufria asks me before we go, she says, hey, I looked up the weather and there are supposed to be thunderstorms. Um, do you want to call like do you want to call it off or are you still comfortable going? And I said, are you comfortable going? Because in my mind, I'm like, Sister Nufria is so much more experienced in this area than me, and she'll know whether or not it's actually dangerous. And she was maybe thinking the same thing about me. I don't know. Um, so Sister Nufria was like, Sister Nufria was like, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. And I was like, okay, great, me too. Let's do it. So we get to our, we get to the National Forest and um, we're backpacking in and it starts to rain as we're hiking in. We also got a later start than we wanted. And um, so it's like starting to get, um, like the sun is starting to set. And I'm also, a little bit nervous as the sun is setting because dusk and dawn are when like the bears come out and mm. these are black bears. They're not grizzly bears. And you know, they always say like black bears don't usually attack people. And I'm like, but what does usually mean? <laughs> and Unless you're wrapped in a pretty package with the bow of a hammock. <laughs> yeah. um, Jim Gaffigan calls it like a bear burrito or something like that. <laughs> um, so, I'm like, so the bear probably won't attack me, but like he might. Um, and so I just want to get to our site. And and then it starts raining and we're like, well, that's okay. So we get there as quickly as we can. Um, we set up our bear hang. It's dark at this point. So we set up our bear hang and then go back to... Can you explain what that is? Uh-huh. So a bear listeners? hang is... Um, you bait. Sh- like put your f- <laughs> bait. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, far away from your campsite, you put all of your food into a bag or a tarp or something, and then you hang it from a tree so that a bear can't reach it. So it like keeps the food away from the bear. Um, and when I was at Wyoming Catholic, like when we did, when I did my pustinia with Wyoming Catholic, we were in the desert. There weren't bears. They still called it a bear hang, but they were actually keeping the food away from other animals, but still called it a bear hang. Anyways, so we set up our bear hang. We go back and set up our hammocks. And um, and it's basically time for bed at this point. And so we basically just get ready for bed. We have um, flies for our hammocks uh, to keep the rain off. So that's good. That's important. Um, Sister Anufria's fly was much bigger than mine. And so we had her fly covering her and a lot of my hammock. And then I had a fly that was also covering the rest of my hammock or something like that. And um, and when we lay in our hammocks, it starts raining more. And then it starts raining more and more. And then there's this massive thunderstorm. And 
Um, and we start hearing, like, we start hearing trees fall down, like, all around. Um, and the lightning is insane. It's the kind of lightning that, like, there's one flash and it lights up everything around you like it's daytime. Um, I was thinking of the transfiguration because uh, in tradition, the transfiguration actually happened at night. And so I was thinking of the transfiguration and um, like Jesus being so bright that it looks like it's day. So <clears throat> anyways. Nice. Um, so I'm also like a little bit nervous about bears and I'm like, what do bears do during storms? Like, do they try to go take cover under the <laughs> rain fly of the nun. Um, and at some, at some point in the night, my, <clears throat> my fears kind of conflate because I watched a lot of horror movies when I was, especially when I was in college, uh, which I no longer condone. And I typically discourage people from watching horror movies. I could go into that, um, another time. Uh, not even like I'm sure there are moral reasons for that as well. And maybe I have a little bit of that, but honestly, it's even more so just like, I think they're just psychologically damaging and um, they put a lot of images in your mind that are really hard to get rid of. So uh, I had one of those moments on this trip because of all the horror movies I've watched, because in so many horror movies, it's like the blinds are closed and then someone pulls up the blinds and there's just a face in the window. Um, And then, Mother Natalia is watching the movie and she screams. Uh, not Mother Natalia <laughs> because I don't watch them as none. But um, so at some point my fears conflate and there's like a lightning flash and I just expect there to suddenly be like a bear standing there <laughs> when the light illuminates everything. Uh, so the very f- worst part of this storm, there's probably like 45 minutes to an hour where there's a lightning strike every 10 to 20 seconds. And it is is terrifying. I've never been so afraid for my life in my entire life. Um, And it's like every time there's a lightning strike, my entire body tenses up because I'm like, is this the time it's my tree? Is this the time that it's, you know? Um, And Sister Anufri and I are trying to figure out what to do because um, I had learned on my Wyoming Catholic Pustinia, I had learned lightning position that you're supposed to get into when there's lightning. Um, and that's fine, but also the rain is coming down so hard and the wind is blowing the rain, um, so that it is blowing like underneath our hammocks. And so if we get out into lightning position, we're going to get completely soaked. Um, so lightning position would be outside the hammock. Yeah. Um, it's crouching down on the ground. Um, like you crouch down on the balls of your feet and then you have, um, the, your heels touching um, so that it's the shortest circuit so that if the lightning comes up into one of your feet, it goes out through the other foot instead of going through your whole body, through your heart. Mm, um, okay. So um, I think that's the concept of it. So, so that would be bad. And then it's so windy that at some point, um, well, at some point we realized the fly is not totally covering, like my hammock is flooded. So I'm just laying in um, water. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm soaked. We realized this. And then shortly thereafter, um, it's so windy that part of that, one of the corners of the fly comes up. And so sister Nufria, I'm already like freezing. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, can't even move. Sister Nufria gets out of her hammock. She gets the fly back down and then gets back in her hammock. So she's now wet from being outside trying to get the fly back down. Um, Also, there's so much water puddling that every once in a while we have to like um, lay on our backs and push our feet up to uh, push all of the water out of the fly out onto the ground. Um, And then... Uh. Uh, so we're both soaked at this point, me because I'm laying in a puddle of water, her because of getting the fly back in at this. And at some point I'm shivering and sister Nufri is just like, you have to, you have to join my hammock. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. Um, because at this point I'm like, I'm going to get hypothermia. So Mm -hmm. I get into her hammock and 
that's when we are like having the debate of do we go into lightning position and risk hypothermia or do we risk the lightning and stay in our tree or in our hammock mm-hmm. and we choose the hammock i think in part because we also were like we're in the valley so there's lots of trees higher than us um mm-hmm. so yeah. probably we're pretty we're probably pretty safe from lightning um mm-hmm. is the thought and that and so hypothermia at this point we're both so cold and so wet that um, we think that's probably the greater risk at this point. Mm-hmm. So we stay in our hammock, <clears throat> and then um, we're awake the entire night. And then um, every 20 or 30 minutes, we kind of check in on each other and shift position so that we're, because like our bodies are cramping up, and all of our, oh man, my I don't know that my body's ever hurt so much as it did after this night because of just... The way that we're laying, but also because of the whole like tightening up at every lightning strike and and just the stress and everything, right? Um, so, um, I'm gonna actually finish this story before I go back and share the the scrupulosity thing, um, cool. just so that we can get the conclusion of the story. So, um, storm passes. Finally, at like five in the morning, I'm able to fall asleep and I sleep for probably like 40 minutes. Sister Nufria doesn't sleep at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm the one who's going to have to drive because we had drove our stick shift. Um, so I'm the one who's going to have to drive the two and a half hours home. So it's good that I got like 40 minutes of sleep, mm-hmm. and um, which is even less than two and a half hours. And, uh, and then we get up. And we both kind of quickly, Sister Nufri is like, so what do you want to do? Do you want to like stay the second night? Because we were supposed to be there for two nights. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I want to go home. And she's like, great, me too. Um, (laughs) Because we're like, what are, we don't even know if our stuff is going to dry out before the next Mm -hmm. night. And um, so, uh, so we get up, we pack up, we go to get the bear hang. And we are both starving at this point, mm-hmm. right? From all the stress, from being awake all night, mm-hmm. from the tightened muscles, we are both so hungry. So we go get the bear hang, we bring it back, and good news is no bear got into our bear hang. Bad news is we strung it too close to the branch, and so a mouse got into our bear hang. And so oh, there's God. mouse poop in our food, um, <laughs> and which is- Don't mean to laugh. I mean, it's funny now. <laughs> it was not funny then. Um, we did have, we had a package of beef jerky that was sealed. So um, that the mouse didn't get into. So we were able to eat that. But our Powerball's mouse, a mouse had gotten into and there was like mouse poop and it was just disgusting. Um, so then we left, we drove home. That's the end of the story. So here's the scrupulosity thing. As we're laying there in the hammock, um, Sister Anufria and I had two very different experiences of the night because Sister Anufria had just gone to confession and I <laughs> had not. <laughs> and um, so she's like doing kind of fine. She was fine. And I was panicking, like complete panic. And... And it wasn't even a fear of death, which is what I would have, ex- that's what I would have expected. Um, and like I would, if I were to imagine myself in that situation, I would think that I would be afraid to die, but I wasn't really afraid to die, um, which is weird. But I was panicked at the thought of dying with like, there were particular sins on my heart that were so heavy. Um, and they were heavy before Pusinia, but I was like, oh, I'll go to confession at some point, you know? Um, and I'm laying there, and for the first probably hour or two, my prayer is just— because Sister Anufri and I just prayed all night. Like, talk about an all-night vigil. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and the first hour or two, my prayer is just a prayer of panic. I'm like, Lord, you can't let me die. You you can't let me die with these sins on my heart because I can't imagine 
eternity without you. And I don't want that. And it's terrifying. And, and like, please, you can't let me die. You can't let me die with these sins on my heart. And just pure panic um, for a good hour or two. And then something in me, like something clicks and I realize the absurdity that I think Christ is constrained to confession. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't cross my mind for the first hour or two that he could possibly forgive me without confession. Um, Like he is powerless without the sacrament. And, um, And I just realized how stupid this is. I'm like, do I... Do I really think that just because it just so happens that there's not a priest camping out two trees down that Jesus can't forgive me? Like, because if so, what does that mean about anyone who had a conversion in the gulag? Like, those people can't possibly be saved because there just wasn't a priest around to hear their confession. Um, And... And it was just this, it was um, a magnification of these completely ridiculous notions that I was operating out of. Um, Because that's basically what I was believing in even small ways. Like this was a big application of it, and it was a chance to see kind of zoomed in Um, or maybe actually zoomed out, like how ridiculous it is. But I kind of needed that in order to see how ridiculous it is. Um, and, and at that point, my, my prayer changed, um, because it's like, if I'm that panicked about not seeing Jesus when I die, then there's clearly true repentance in my heart, right? (laughs) Like, um, and, and there's clearly something in me that like really desires relationship with Christ. And so so my prayer in that realization was able to change to one that I'm just like begging his forgiveness and sh- and expressing my contrition um and then just trusting that he can forgive me. And um and after that there was just a much greater peace and a surrender. Um mm. And that's not to say, I want to be very clear here that like, I'm not saying the sacraments don't matter. I'm not saying we don't need the sacraments. I'm not saying that confession is not important. Um, These are, the sacraments are the gifts that God gives us. um, And because he gives them to us, we need them. And we should, um, Utilize isn't the right word, but I can't think of another word. Um, we should frequent them <laughs> um, as much as the the church encourages, um, and to some degree as the church requires. Um, and for that reason, like I still, when I got home that day, we had a priest on retreat, and I never do this when priests are on retreat because I want them to have their retreat. Um, but I slipped him a note and said, like, please, will you hear my confession? Um, mm-hmm. And so I immediately went to confession. So I want to be clear on, I'm not saying we don't need confession uh, because I think we do. But the point is like, if we aren't allowed that and if there are extenuating circumstances, it's really important for us to remember that the sacraments are for us and we need the sacraments. But that doesn't mean that God can't work outside of them. Um, and yeah. that he's like, we, we can't be putting the restrictions on God. Basically, um, yeah. That, that I think that's an incredibly important point. The sacraments are gifts to us in order to to grow closer to Christ, to grow in union with Him, to have our sins forgiven. Um, they are not for Him. He 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 gives us gives them to us as tools. And I think there's there's a wisdom because the situation you were in was an exception. It was it mm-hmm. was it was an exceptional situation where where you were afraid of dying and and you you could not access a priest. And so in those exceptional situations 
as as I always encourage my people to do before you go to confession, confess your sins to Jesus directly. Like mm-hmm. ho- hopefully, as I've said before, going to confession is not the first time you've told Jesus you're sorry for your sins. You know, yes, you need to do that, but but talk to Jesus first, and then in a situation like this, talk to him. And and I I I, I thought of a, a situation. You know, if you, it's like to hold those two things in our mind is what orthodoxy is, is what true faith is, what true glory is. To hold the two situations in our mind to say, the ordinary means of grace and the ordinary means of having my sins forgiven, especially the the deadly sins, is by going to confession. Mm-hmm. And yet there's these exceptions and the, these rules where Jesus doesn't need me to go to confession to, to for me to have a, a purging of my sins that allows me to undergo theosis, to participate in his very life. And so to hold these two things in our mind, it's like just pure reason doesn't understand saying this is available to me in exceptional situations. And yet I would go way out of my way to go to confession. I, I would, if, if I needed confession, um, I would skip something that would be incredibly fun. I hope, you know, I hope. Skip something that would be really fun or or that, that I've been looking forward to for a long time in order to go to confession. And yet God can work outside of confession. Mm-hmm. But it's not my place. It's not my place to say that in this situation, God's going to work outside of confession. I have yeah. a great hope because the sacraments are the ordinary means of this. I have a great hope that he does in these situations. And that hope brings me great peace that he does. And that's, I think, what you experienced um, but I really like the way you said that, Mother. The, the sacraments are a gift to us so that we are assured through faith and hope of having our sins forgiven, of growing closer to Christ, of receiving his body and blood. Um, th- this brings us peace and hope. And it, it's the the path, the pilgrimage God has given us that does not mean that he is bound by those same rules. And so in those moments, we can in hope and in prayer say, Lord, can this be an exceptional situation? I trust that it is because you love me and you know I love you and I'm asking for this grace. And I I like how you also tie that into the, this is a healing of scrupulosity because the scrupulous thing would be to say, as I've seen a million times with people, you know, as, like to act as if God was bound by these same rules that he has given me as a gift, not as some sort of a, a punishment and, and a legal document that I have to follow these rules or he won't love me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking of this also when, so I'm reading, um, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I know I talked about it in one episode, but I, at least, but that was the episode we didn't keep. But maybe at other points I've talked about it as well. But I'm reading um, The Spiritual Life and How to Be Attuned to It by St. Theophane the Recluse. Um, recluse. Um, I've heard it both ways. Anyways, uh, these are letters that he wrote to a spiritual daughter. And I read this just a couple days ago. Um, he says, You have begun doing everything that is necessary. Lord, give the blessing. All your intentions about your future new ways of life are good. However, so that you do not become lopsided in your enthusiasm, although this would be toward the right, I rush this bit of advice. Watch when you remake everything that you pay more attention to the inward things than to the outward. The outward things can be put aside for the time being as they are, with the exception of the things which by their very nature have a harmful action on the heart. So he's talking about the the externals. Um, we need to be careful not to place more importance on the externals than the internals. And then the footnote says, what he's talking about is zeal without knowledge. Over-concern for correctness in externals of church life without proper attention to humility and compassion. The Lord accused the Pharisees of this, saying, you pay tithe of mint and anise and have omitted the weightier matters, mercy and faith. Um, And I just realized in reading that, I was like, this is like the personalized version of the Checking the Boxes podcast that you did. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about um, the temptation to go to the parish that checks all the boxes that has like exactly the kind of liturgy that we want that has exactly the kind of people that we want that has exactly all of these things but like what is the spirit how is the lord working there what's actually good for your soul what's actually good for the the soul of the people who are attending and so on and so forth 
And I think this is the more personalized, individualized version of that, of we can use confession as a checking the box. And we can go to confession and list all the things, and we might not even have true contrition, um, which a scrupulous person, I know this from experience, is then going to like leave confession and wonder, did I actually have true contrition? And so like that's a problem of its own, right? (laughs) Um, But... Um, like I really, it was made, I was made aware several years ago by my former confessor that I really used confession as a crutch. Um, and, and in many ways it would lead to further sin in the sense of like, there would be times where I'm like, Um, I have some kind of sin that I'm like, well, I have to go to confession for this. And I think I should go to confession for this before I receive communion. And so then all bets are off. And why not do all the sins? Because I can't receive communion anyways, you know? Um, And in that case, like confession becomes um, not about healing relationship because if it was about healing relationship, then we wouldn't want to be like further damaging the relationship. Um, it was just about like this thing that I had to do in order to clear the slate. And then, um, we can actually manipulate confession and abuse confession by using it to make us feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this is just about me not feeling guilty. And in a sense, when we do that again, all there, there's always, there's always a bit of this every single time because we're not perfect and we're never going to have the most pure motives. I mean, hopefully one day, but so we need to be understanding and forgiving ourselves in this situation. But, um, we're in a sense of using the sacrament because we're, we're telling Jesus, okay, now that I've, now that I've I've done this, now you can let me into heaven, or you should mm-hmm. let me into heaven, or you need to let me into heaven because I've done this thing. You know, like we like oh, it's like we all we're so tempted to that, and all of us are. Um, but if if we see confession as a gift that God has given us, um, and so much, so many people don't see even even as a gift, they see it as something they have to do to not feel guilty, or they have to do that Jesus mandates. Like Jesus is like. I know you hate confession and it's going to hurt you, but you need to do something that hurts you in order for me to love you. It's like, careful with that. Like, mm-hmm. no, of course not, you know. Um, and and again, the biggest the biggest issue with this is bad priests. You're not bad priests, priests who do bad things, you know, in confession and, and preach this. Bad or, or confessors. <laughs> have, have bad confessors, yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that, that there's a this is a journey, this is a pilgrimage to, to healing and understanding. Um, and it's hard because you you want, people are like, well, why do I need to go to confession at all? It's because, and this is where my presumption comes in, is I need to be reminded, I need to go to confession because I've actually hurt people. And mm-hmm. Jesus can heal them through my confession. I've actually hurt that priest because he's a member of the body of Christ that I hurt when I sinned. Mm-hmm. I need to go to him. I need to follow God's beautiful law that he gave as a gift so that I can confess my sins to everybody I've hurt and to God all in one fell swoop, you know, and then receive a penance that's actually going to allow me to start the healing process that is the very human healing that I need as well as the spiritual forgiveness of sins. Um, so yeah, this is such a this is such a way the devil is attacked that 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 we so often think, especially people prone to scrupulosity. So thank you for sharing your vulnerabilities, mother. People prone to scrupulosity have 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 in a sense the devil has turned God's gifts against God and has turned God's gifts against God's people. Um, so the, the these moments where you felt like in this story where you felt peace from from having a, a healed sense of, of in a sense, distance from God, that he would make you do this thing and, and bring you to an intimacy with God that says, yes, do this thing as soon as you get back, as soon as you can, this is a gift I've given you. And yet in this moment, know that, that a sincere mind and a sincere heart of repentance is, is all I need you know, mm-hmm. to, to heal you. And we have a great hope, again, not a knowledge, but a great hope that that is the case. Which is why I would I would never say, <laughs> like, no matter what horrible things I know someone has done, I would never say, and, and if I'm like, I know they've done terrible things, I know they haven't gone to confession, I'm with them on their deathbed, 
Um, they never expressed repentance. I still wouldn't say that person's in hell because I don't know right. what the Lord has done in their hearts and in those minds in those last moments that their heart is still beating, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened um, on the interior. Um, and, yeah, so we just, um, yeah. I, I really, there is such a danger and again, I, I brought this up many times, but I, this is why I'm like tempted to get a millstone tattooed on my arm, like as as a as a pilgrimage tattoo to Jerusalem, because like where Christ said, you know, if you scandalize these little ones, you have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. You know, that that we we speak with such confidence, and I mean, my gosh, a podcast is one of the places where we can be so tempted to do that. And so, please, may we may you always hear what we say and and understand that we may be wrong and. That you know, please know that we may be wrong. Ask ask your priest. You know, um, look up the answer in case we have said something wrong. Call us out if we have said something wrong. Oh, by the way, I said something wrong the other day. I need to. I need to look <laughs> well, you know, we're saying like, so, uh, a listener. Thank you for listening for calling me out. Speaking of which, well, um, well, we can do that at the beginning of the next episode since amen. we're recording. So, but 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 there is a. But there, there is. I, I had the other day. I sat. I was sitting at the bar, and this guy sitting next to me. We started having this beautiful conversation about about uh, the. Um, oh my gosh, uh, theodicy. Th- thank you, Lord. Um, I, I like why why a good God can allow evil things to happen. Why bad things happen to good people. And this guy at the bar is is ethnically Jewish, non practicing anything, and we're talking, and he's we're really like getting into the heart of like why a good God will let bad things happen. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, have you read this book? And he names the book. He's like, this is a great book explaining all of this. And he says, pretty much bad things happen to good people because God is busy. I was like, what? <laughs> what? No, no. God is not so busy. He's not paying attention to you. God is not so busy that he's letting people harm you or the devil harm you or whatever. Like that is that is utter heresy. But mm-hmm. this man spoke it with such confidence. Like <clears throat> this has brought me peace. It's just God is busy. You know, he can't keep an eye on me all the time. I'm like, no, busyness does not exist in God. And I just thought, oh my gosh, whatever whatever this man is convinced of um He's he's listening to evil, you know, and mm-hmm. whoever convinced him of that needs to have a millstone tighter on their neck. Not needs to. I hope and I pray that, that doesn't happen to anybody. Um, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So anyway, th- there's a we need to be we and and there's a there really is a spirit that I believe is an evil spirit, a spirit of of overconfidence and criticism that people speak these things as if they're gospel mm-hmm. and and they're just they they're leading people astray and we need to first first we need to make sure we're not doing this of course mm-hmm. um so yeah I'll at the beginning of the next episode I'll, I'll I'll look it up and I'll share what 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 mistake I made which is why I think I think I've shared this before but every time mm-hmm. we pray um before the podcast and I I pray this way before talks as well whether or not it's um <laughs> Out loud, I I make the prayer of um, that our that our listeners have a spirit of discernment that they can hold fast to the things that are true, um, the things that are coming from the Lord, and to discard anything else. Um, because I I certainly don't. Yeah, um, I get really yeah I get really nervous reading just what Saint Paul says about um, teachers and how they have this greater responsibility and all of this. And then I. Anytime those passages come up um, in the liturgy or just in my private prayer, uh, I think of the podcast and I start to sweat. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. <laughs> um, yep. So so pray for us, listeners. Pray for us that we can be prudent and and speak the truth and um, with humility and with charity. So. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Um, any last thoughts? Um, no. Okay. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I, again, thank you for sharing that. It, this is such a deep, a deep topic and so many people are wounded by scrupulosity um, and that it takes on all kinds of different forms. But uh, just to quote, you know, um, uh, the Read of God by Carol Houselander, you know, she just oh, says so both scrupulosity and presumption are both, they're not, they're both a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So that you know that that was at, at then I was the heart. We oftentimes think it's like something in us. Yes, it is something in us, but it's 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 because we misunderstand who Jesus is. And I I had to do this the other day. I, I had a new a new new parishioner who recently came into the church, and 
and they were acting very, very scrupulous. And I, I kind of, I was like, I need to shake this person out of their scruples because they were becoming overwhelmed. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I could literally, like they were starting to cry. They mm-hmm. were becoming totally overwhelmed. I was like, I need to shake them out. So I just, I said very directly, and I don't, I still don't know if this is a sin or not because I was, I was slightly frustrated, but I, I did say, you know what? When, when people, and I was talking to a group, uh, so I wasn't directed at them. I said, when people think that God would condemn them to hell for something like this that you're you're freaking out about, you're freaking out about something um, that that that, and you're 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 breaking down over something because you think that God's going to send you to hell about this. Like, what kind of parent are you going to be? Mm. You know, and I I should not have said it that way, but like when someone thinks that I didn't wasn't this wasn't directed at the individual. What kind of parent are you going to be? Are you going to literally kick your because kid out of the house? Because you think that's how God fathers, right? Yeah, right. And, and that's not the case, of course. We act very right. differently with our own children than we do with God. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, but but there is that you know you do not see God as a loving father. That's the problem with with those who struggle, many who struggle with scrupulosity at all. Many is that you do not see God as the same way that you would parent your child. You do not mm-hmm. see this as the way that God. And again. There is differences, of course. There is. He's God. We're not. So there, there is going to be those differences. But I do think it's when Jesus asks us to call God our Father, the assumption is that we have a loving Father, and that, and that we can see God as a loving Father. And yet there are He needs to discipline us as a good Father would, so that we don't, you know, destroy ourselves. Um, but yeah. there, there is still this. You know, I think that's a good image. We all know it, but. But yeah, it, it gets so frustrating sometimes when the people are so worried, they're debilitated by this fear that God's gonna condemn them to hell. And I'm like, the biggest issue is not you going to confession. I almost recommend you don't go to confession. You need to sit in this a bit. And so that you realize like you did on the hammock yeah. that no, God loves me anyway. And if you had gone to confession beforehand, you wouldn't have had that realization. Well, that's also that's also literally what was prescribed to me by... Um, by a former confessor, he was like, he said, unless, of course, like if there's mortal sin, if there's deadly sin, if there's something preventing you from receiving communion, go to confession. He said, if you don't have that, I want you to go to confession every eight weeks. And I flipped out. And I was like, (laughs) eight weeks, eight weeks, that's completely ridiculous. That's unreasonable. And he's like, do you want me to make it 12? Um, And I said, I'm good with eight. And, you know, but he said, but run this by your spiritual father because um, he trumps me. And so I said, okay. So I'm like, I've just got to convince Father Michael. Um, And then I come to Father Michael and he agrees wholeheartedly. And then, um, and then Father Michael says, but Mother Theodora trumps me. And so run it by her. And Mother Theodora hemmed and hawed. And she was actually like, starting to be on my side. And then she's like, no, let's try it. And I was like, ah. (laughs) Um, And it was really good. It was really, really good for me to have to, um, again, barring like mortal sin, um, to have to lean into the other ways of forgiveness that we know that the church gives us. Um, I was more quick to like actually tell Jesus I'm sorry um, instead of waiting for confession, um, to really lean into praying the Jesus prayer, receiving that blessings from from the hegumena, um, receiving communion even, you know? Like the priest says in the liturgy that the, that the Eucharist is for the remission of sins. Again, to be very clear, this is not mortal sin. You still need to go to confession before receiving communion in that case. Um, but the venial sins, like, the Eucharist forgives those. And so to really lean into those other, and we should still name them when we go to confession because it's still important for us to name them. But uh, I'm trying to make sure I give like all the nuances, (laughs) which is always really hard. But, um, But yeah, you're right that to be debilitated by these small things, um, we almost have to like sit with the the things in order to to overcome the debilitation. Um, and often, I think that like people need therapy for this. Honestly, um, it's mm-hmm. it's a spiritual problem, Absolutely. but it's also very related to like mental illness. Like, I mm-hmm. I don't have OCD, literally obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, but just looking at the qualifications for obsessive compulsive personality disorder, I like 
meet the criteria for sure. Um, and I think it's very related to scrupulosity. Um, but uh, scruples, this is the last thing I'll share, just because some of you may not know it. Um, the word scruple comes from the Latin scrupulous, scrupulous. <laughs> Anyways, um, it literally means a rough pebble. So the, the reason I think um, if you know Father Michael and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think that the origin of like calling this scrupulosity is like, it's like having a little pebble in your shoe um, and being completely debilitated by it. Um, yeah. And uh, not being able to ignore it, which we've all experienced where like you get a rock in your shoe and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to keep walking and it'll be fine. And you're like, I can't do it until I get this tiny little pebble. And it's like the princess and the pea. And um, anyway, so so it really is like we have to to learn to to kick the rock out of our shoe. And I'm also realizing how debilitating it is that I think the devil fo- gets us, convinces us to focus on the man, the priest, because mm. that's why I love our Byzantine tradition of having an icon or a cross or a gospel book that you look at during confession. So the priest stands to the side, and you look at an icon or at a gospel book or a cross. So you're you're looking at Christ. Um, and 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 the priest is stand there listening in because sometimes the priest thinks he's God, and so he's speaking when he shouldn't. He should have a millstone tied around his neck. Sometimes the penitent puts the priest in the place of God, mm-hmm. and in all these situations, you kind of you kind of forget the whole point is that the priest represents God, and you're talking to God, you mm-hmm. know. And and yes, you've heard that priest, and yes, you've heard every human being. So the priest also represents himself and other people. But there, there's a if if. If we do not talk to God before we go to confession, do not talk to God after we go to confession, then we're, we are putting the priest in the place of God. If the priest gets frustrated in confession, like, thank God I wasn't in confession when I got frustrated. Like, if the priest gets frustrated in confession and says something you shouldn't say, he's putting himself in the place of God, mm-hmm. right? In the wrong way, because he is in the place of God in a good way. So there, there is this, if, if, if we've been turned away, we haven't been to confession in years because we had a bad priest, well, we're putting the priest in the place of God. Yeah. You know, we 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 we've we've let either him convince us that he's in the place of God, or we've put him in the place of God. You know, th- th- this is just the devil loves that aspect of this because it's just like the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, right? The priest is in the place of God. The devil tries to make that into a bad thing when it's actually a good thing, and and when the priest's mind and our mind and the church's mind, whatever it is. Um, where, where just like the tree, Jesus does want us to become like him. So the devil uses that against us. So the devil is just so cunning in these ways. We need to, we need to make sure that we see all these things the church does as truly a gift, even though many, even in the church, will try to use it against us. And when they do that, it's demonic. Which is why I really like the tradition um, and follow the tradition of speaking directly to the Lord in confession. Um, which is one of the traditions we have in the East. And I started it years ago, and it was very weird and very uncomfortable at first. Um, but yeah, when I'm in confession, I, I'm i looking at the icon, and I say, um, like, Lord, I've broken our relationship in this way, and I ask for your healing as divine physician. I ask you to come into this situation and, and that, and I'm sorry that I spoke this way to so-and-so. And, you know, um, and... Like every once in a while, needing to break from that to give the priest context, but for the most part, like mm-hmm. um, I just speak directly to the Lord, and I, I find that to be really helpful. Um, so, Amen. yeah. Um, and I've never had a priest. If the priest isn't Byzantine, I typically prepare them for that. I'm like, just so you know, this is how I go to confession, and they've always just been like, "That's great, wonderful." Um, so mm-hmm. as long as you maybe warn the priest. I think any of you can do that and if you want to try it out. So, all right. Um, Goodreads, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, audio only. Twitter, Father Michael, at Padre Michael O. Um, I think that's everything. We have a website, whatgodisnot.com. Uh, we have a Patreon page if you want to support our nonprofit, Fotina. The website for our nonprofit is fotina.org. That's P H O T I N A.org. Um, if you're a supporter of, I don't know, $10, $15, something like that, 
um, you a month, you um, get to request a mini topic. Um, the mini topics won't typically be an entire topic like this one was, but uh, we'll talk about it for about 10 minutes. And I think that's pretty much it. Um, prayer intentions. Please pray for my um, best friend, Laura. Um, she's going through stuff and she's just beautiful and I love her a lot and she needs prayerful support. So please pray for Laura. Amen. If you will please pray for uh, the Alive in Christ retreat that I am assisting with this coming weekend. Um, it'll be done by the time this comes out. Um, but it's a great vocations retreat. I'm still in the vocations office and we boys seven to 17 and their dads come and a lot of prayer, a lot of sports, a lot of liturgical uh, trivia, et cetera. Um, just a lot of, a lot of good stuff uh, for boys to learning and discerning vocations to the priesthood, diaconate, monastic life. Um, and even of course, assistance was the vocation of marriage. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Father. Um, I love you, and it's been good. Love it's been real, too. all that. Can you give us a blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May he continue to reveal himself to you in ways that you understand who he truly is. May you desire to always learn more about him. May you always increase in his great gift of humility so that you don't speak or assume things that are untrue. May you desire to truly know him and to grow in union with him that prevents a presumption, that presents scrupulosity. May you truly see the gifts of the church as gifts given by God. And may you be prevented and protected from attacks of the evil one who tries to convince us all otherwise. Um, may you be quick to apologize if you realize you've been wrong. And may you be thankful for those in your life, especially with Jesus when he's taught you the things that are true and good and beautiful. May you build each other up. May you be someone who assists in healing and growth from your friends and family who do struggle with all of these things. Um, and may you be a light in the darkness of the, the work of the devil to those around you um, and never cause the scandal that comes so quickly when the devil influences us. May the Lord give you everything you need, even the salvation of your soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.